1: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast.
0: Swung on line the deep left field. It is GOING! Start
1: the show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 141. I'm your host, Fat Lyons, and on this week's episode, Manuel A is out two to three weeks. Somehow, Mike Clevenger has already thrown the ball again. We'll look at the first modern failed attempt at making the shift. Opening day for the Indians still isn't sold out. We'll preview second base, and of course, we'll answer your questions. Joining me for all that and more is another Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? The thing that we'll cut out right before this happened is that we figured out we've been saying Emmanuel Classe's name What do you mean? For... I've always <laughs> been <laughs> saying wrong. his name right. Yeah, I'm going to go back and edit all the previous episodes and there'll be just a, an abrupt Classe every time we mention his name. Cause... I was
0: listening to a podcast today about journalism and um, the uh, stupidity of being impartial or something like that. Great podcast. Citations needed if you want to listen to it. Anyway, uh, they were talking a lot about how we live in the world of alternative truths, and I think that that's one of our alternative truths, is that either one, we were pronouncing it correctly in our world, or two, I actually was pronouncing it class A this whole time, and I refuse to uh, face criticism or the fact that I did actually pronounce it incorrectly at any time.
1: Well, the good thing anyway. is, there's no possible way to double check that, so nobody can ever know Even if, if
0: you we did it do. Right that's probably just your own liberal bias going through. Right? <laughs> that's what I learned to say from the media. So it's great. Yeah, I I think whoever finds something different just clearly edited our past episodes. We've been hacked. I, you know and what? I agree. This is what's happening, and we are not to blame for anything really. Never, quite honestly.
1: <laughs> but anyway, he is uh, he's out two three months. It sucks. It's it's basically the same injury Mike Clevenger had last season that kept him out for. Basically, two to three months before he was able to be back into action. So, too strong. Um,
0: the the typical uh too strong. Too the typical injury. Big muscles, too big.
1: I mean, is this is this a a lot of people have been asking now that every time there's injuries for the Indians, it's always like blamed on the medical staff or whatever. But is this a is this a trend now, or is it just sort of random noise that we're making into a pattern because we're weird monkey humans?
0: I think the monkey human thing has some validity. Yes, uh, only because. So, Clevenger was making headlines prior to hurting his back uh, about throwing incredibly hard, right? His velocity was up considerably. It was super cool. We were all happy about it. And you know what you use a lot of when you throw hard is your back, especially the area near your your shoulder. I just think, honestly, this is not random noise. This is just a thing that's happened. I don't think the Indians particularly have a bad injury history. I think we just pay attention to them too much. Um, But, like last year, what was a big injury that happened? A freak injury to Corey Kluber? And that was just a comebacker off his arm, so I yeah. mean that's nothing. And I, then I, I honestly don't think the Indians. I I think they're pretty good at the whole soft tissue injury thing, uh, like weird tendons or muscle pulls. They don't seem to lose guys for extended periods of time uh, for, from whatever. You know, I mean maybe I, maybe I'm misremembering now, but. I mean, they have a lot of
1: "quote unquote" setbacks, is what they have a lot of. But I think most of that is Terry Francona saying somebody's fine, and then it coming out that he's not actually fine, and he's just mostly Tito talking sooner than the medical staff would like him to.
0: But. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's a, he's a chatty guy. He's a bit of a chatty Cathy, you know. He's a he's a man of the the people. He loves to talk to the reporters. So, but no, I I think it's just we, we're we have a case here of a, a young man that throws a hundred miles an hour, and that's hard to do and not many people do it in fact he is one of like four i think they can probably consistently hit 100 miles an hour and so, if you
1: remember his his 100 miles is, is different than other people's 100 miles an because it moves so damn much like yeah that was a big thing that everybody i was starting to come around on the fact of being excited about classe even though it meant losing kluber because of apparently how much action his fastball has and it was it was super exciting to think about but now he's not gonna be here so i guess the the upside is that two to three months of a reliever
0: is what not that many innings so ten, he can still have a huge impact maybe? Yeah, you know yeah. like that's the thing one of those months is march also so whatever i mean yeah yes yeah so and he he more than really any other pitcher on the indian staff has a margin of error to, so even if he comes back rusty because again he throws incredibly hard i did want to say just as a a side note so i saw a quote somewhere from some i was on it was on twitter and some um rays pitcher I think he was, was a Ray or a pirate. I don't know why I'm conflating those two. Anyway, this is all just half-remembered information. But he was excited because he said the balls felt different this year. And the, 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 the seams were higher. And that the reason I'm saying... That, and, and again, half remember I tried to find the, the tweet again. I, I could not. Um, but the reason this is troubling is because he just traded away a guy who lived off movement and location um, and also won two so Young's doing it. And now they're just going to be like... He's going to win a Cy Young in Texas. Is what's going to happen, and we oh, going to be uh, awful. Yeah, if Kluber can get ground balls
1: again and not get everything lifted in the air, then right, exactly.
0: Trouble. If he's actually getting you know big time movement and getting off the sweet part, anyway. I mean, it, it probably won't happen, but I just I, I remember I read that and it's sucked in my brain, and I went ah fudge. And uh,
1: even that first month of the season, if Kluber looks good in Texas and Classe is injured <laughs> and Delano de Shields is getting more bats than he should
0: it's going to be terrible to be on oh, twitter being absolutely dreadful because, yeah it'll, it'll be if, if yeah i mean the good news is cooper always starts slow now is that a cold weather problem and the fact that we pitching in texas instead of are they oh, it's even gonna, worse what if he actually starts good for once right exactly <laughs> oh, what no. if he allows two earned runs all of, of april you know what i mean and his strikeout to walk ratio was like 106 to 2 or something like that <laughs> and you're like what the hell's happening i'm here? gonna be insufferable yeah I don't know about everybody else, but I'm going to be insufferable to listen to I, I mean, I won't be I'm excited talking. about it. I'll be happy for him because you got to, you know, you got to be happy for your boys. But yeah, no, but bad news. Bad news all around. So. Yeah, but it's also sort of
1: good news, I guess, that Mike Clevenger is throwing already. <laughs> he had surgery on February 15th. So what? A little over two weeks. And the guy is already, or less than two weeks because the video was a few days ago, but he's throwing with a um, compression sleeve on his leg. He's throwing on flat ground already. I mean, I don't know what that actually means as far as his rehab, but good lord clevenger (laughs) he wanted to beat that six to eight week timetable they gave him and it really seems like he might actually do it which is good or is this another thing where they're going to rush him back and get hurt again i don't i don't know i would think that clevenger and the medical staff know better than just random people do but i mean there's a mix of emotions there
0: athletes are you know they 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 play through pain and stuff like that you so you kind of hope he's not doing that you'd prefer him to be you know closer to healthy but the thing about, you know, a, a meniscus tear and things like that, it, it doesn't really heal necessarily, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, I mean, it, it can take a year or more, but it's it's not a thing that blood flows into really, right? It's, it's that cushiony thing. I, kn- I know more about the meniscus than I should because I'm a big Dwayne Wade fan, and he hurt his in college and had a piece of it cut off, and then later missed more time, missed like a year of, because of more knee pain, and also it shortened his career considerably, and... Made it so that he'd only won two championships instead of the three or four. They probably should have. Uh, but that's a story for another day. I but, didn't see what they said. Did did Clever just get cut off or part of it? Well, or what did well, they do with I, his? That, that's what I'm saw. wondering. With a surgery like that, there's two surgeries you can have, with the meniscus tear. There is the the long rehab one, at least for basketball players, where they like sew it up and it kind of, I, I don't know what the hell they do and put and it kind of heals up again. And then the other one is they just cut off the torn part and then you're back good to go. Uh, and that's a much quicker thing like that's a much quicker operation that's the one that way i would dared, think they and, must have done that one right because this was also just a partial tear and then he's also back pitching already and it
1: it's on his plant leg too so it's not like it's not going to affect him that much this is the leg he lands on and it's going to hurt like hell if it's not fixed so i don't know i think it's definitely a year the indians like last year when it seemed like the indians would win by double digits in the division which they obviously didn't it would have been more of just let him come back whenever but i mean if you can get him back and he thinks he's healthy, I you get him back as soon as you can because the wins at the beginning of the season count just as much as the ones later on. So as little time as you can have without Clevenger in the rotation, which also means less, I don't know, Jeffrey Jeffrey Rodriguez or Plutko, or whoever's number five, then I think you'd do it. But I also think there's, there's a span where the Indians are fine with only four pitches, I think, right? Because that always seems to happen with – Scheduling and days off, so maybe he's got a little bit of time where he might not even miss more the than inevitable rainouts and
0: stuff like that too. Like you know, I'm yeah. sure they're you know starting it, baseball in March. <laughs> it's a good idea, Matt. It's a good idea to start baseball in March uh on the shores of Lake Erie. It's totally normal <laughs> and a good idea. And then never once have they had a game snowed out and had to be played in <laughs> Milwaukee just to pick a random place, just random out of nowhere.
1: And you know, they still sold that Milwaukee game out. Somebody pointed out to me, like even when. It was snowed out. They had to go to a different place. The game still sold out. Mm-hmm. Unlike uh, well, you know, opening Indians. day is
0: a big deal, and it always sells out, man. I mean, you want to be at the park and you want to enjoy the game and <laughs> uh, really just see what the new squad looks like for that year, especially now with the Indians being so exciting Ooh, well, and keeping their uh, its core going and bringing in big new talents.
1: I'm receiving some information, Merritt, that uh, no, it's not sold out. It's been uh, <laughs> by the time this week comes out, it'll be a week. I'm gonna take a. Um, random shot in the dark and guess that between recording this and editing this the Indians are not going to sell out but they're in jeopardy of not selling out their 28th straight opening day um which I guess you can say the cold weather is a factor and the fact that the Indians aren't fun at all I know you're making a joke a minute ago but I guess they're fun but they're not as exciting as they should be and there's been Paul Dolan saying (laughs) saying that the Indians his favorite fans are the ones in the suites and uh, uh, not extending Lindor. So are
0: those all sold out? That's what we have to find out. Are the suites <laughs> are. sold out?
1: Oh, I'm sure they are because those are Paul Dolan's favorites. Um, but you can still get plenty of seats up high for like sixty bucks, and then there's bowl seats for two hundred. So um, I don't know. Is this an indicative in the indicative of anything, or just Wait, it's got to be right? Because before,
0: did you just say that they've sold out twenty eight straight?
1: They've sold out twenty seven straight. They're in jeopardy of not selling out. So even when straight. they
0: were hideously like they yep. were just like shit in the early parts of the of, of this decade because that's, really, that's really been the the worst stretch of baseball in Cleveland <laughs> since they moved to Jacobs Field Progressive Field whatever um even yeah. then they were selling out I mean the next they day, were riding think,
1: the momentum of at least like the 90s 455 thing because then at least you see them on opening day and never think about them again but yeah it, it, that's part of the bizarre, bizarre explanation of that it's just all the cold weather but also 27 straight years you don't just get to not selling out after that long without other right. factors, I don't think.
0: Right, exactly. This is a team that has good talent. I didn't even—I didn't realize it had been that long. But I mean, it could be any number of factors. There's the obvious Dolan factor of him just being tone deaf and stupid. Uh, there's the cold weather thing, which I don't know what weather's like in Cleveland right now. Honestly, uh, it's okay here, but I mean, I'm multiple miles south and by the water, so by the Atlantic Ocean, which actually I guess would be colder, maybe. Uh, but, you know, then I guess you could take into account other, other economic determiners. Like, I don't know, maybe just wages have been flat in the Cleveland area for a while and people just can't afford it. I don't I don't really know. I mean, if tickets are that cheap, then it can't be that big a deal. So,
1: And I think if you have a team hyped up enough, like, no matter what the other factors are, you find a way to sell out. Because like you said, even when they were shitty garbage, they still sold out. But now, Yeah, that like 2012,
0: and like, when the opening day yeah. starter was... Fausto Carmona. There had to be Masterson shit. at that point, yeah. right? Yeah, or like the the year that so. was Robert yeah, when Fausto Carmona was the opening day or Masterson or I think Jake Westbrook was the opening day starter one year. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. Let's see. Cleveland metro area population. <laughs> but yeah,
1: if you can sell through those and somehow you have Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez this pitching staff and still can't sell out, there's a there's a very bad uh I don't know what you call that.
0: What is so the, the word? Cleveland- that you have? Metro area um, has two a million... A bad PR people. look to not sell out again. Yeah, bad vibe. You're, you're supposed of, of all the days you sell out, it's supposed to be that one, and yet you know they don't, and it's confusing to me. Yeah, so two two million people, and they can't find what forty thousand to go to a game on a what is it on a Thursday or something like that. Yeah, which is another thing. It could be that that people don't want to go on a Thursday. It's also that you can
1: get tickets like two days later, way cheaper. So
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, right. there's
1: it could just be like a perfect storm of things, but I really think like. If the Indians hadn't bungled PR the last two years so bad, yes, they'd find yes, a way to certainly. sell this out. Well, the, the
0: bungled line. PR, yes, but also, I mean, they bungled twenty nine. That was a that was a shit season. Like in all honesty, that that felt like a what last year? Oh, I mean, in terms of outcome, like oh it's, yeah, it's, I it, oh I, mean, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Don't get me wrong; it was a, it was a good season of baseball, objectively speaking. Yeah, but, but in terms of addressing what they needed the off season following, it was
1: right exactly a bungled well, as well, and like
0: darn heck. And if this is the best baseball Cleveland has seen since the 90s, this stretch, if not probably the best stretch since like Bob Feller was on the team in terms of consistency and uh, talent across the diamond. You know, I mean, the for all their great bats, the those 90s team just couldn't hit very well. And they were only, they only really were great for a couple of years. The Indians were, I thought, had been great for, for what? Well, I guess 16, 17, 18. That's really it. 15 was fun or 14, yeah. anyway. um, 14 they were bad.
1: 15 was at least when there was a little bit of hope, and Lindor debuted and and then 16 uh, is when they start being really good
0: right exactly so so I guess maybe I'm just it just feels like longer than it actually is but so I, 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 maybe I'm wrong there but but again the, the fact that every day you get, you get to see a silent Calvert pitcher and then you get to see Lindor play and you get to yeah maybe they're just wasting what was a good thing and they're losing Cleveland as far as fan base goes and they're just trying to and they just don't care. I don't know. I mean. Yeah. Which which almost sucks because then they can use that as justification. Like,
1: we can't sell that opening day. We can't sell tickets. We obviously can't afford Francisco Lindor. So, it just feeds into their whole thing they're trying to build there of they just don't have the money to get them. Even though you clearly probably do. But it's just, it sucks. And right, also, it, if they did sell out, then I mean, like, there's no winning for the fans. Because if they did sell it out and they sold a bunch and they could say, like, we can still do well and not appease the fans as we yeah, probably who cares now? <laughs> these these yeah. rubes
0: will come no matter what, fools. <laughs> 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 so, the, so the good news
1: is we lose either way. So that's always fun. It's good to lose. Yeah. Wait, no, it's not. <laughs> and, and sort of speaking of that, um, the other thing we wanted to talk about is, is a really, I thought it was great. A, a post on MLB.com by Anthony Castro Vince was about the, uh, basically the first failed attempt at the shift was Oberlin College. It was a terrible D3 school. back. I guess they're apparently, they've rebounded and they're a pretty decent school now, but. Back in the early 90s, they were just terrible. They they often lost by like 20 runs, and they were one in fourteen by the time the story starts. Um but Jeff Whitey was the head coach, and somebody by the name of Gene D. La- Lorenzo, who was the assistant coach and also a basketball coach, came up with this, this wild idea, <laughs> which was years before, um, obviously like 20 or so years before the shift became as popular as it is now. But they essentially invented the modern shift, which um in a minute we'll talk about it was actually invented, but but their version of it was basically not based on any any this numbers is not a shift. i don't
0: think this is, <laughs> it's, i i i i think this is completely different than what they did honestly it's
1: yeah well a shift is based on like actual numbers and trying to do something but they were just trying to be freaking weird they got they did something called the fly trap which is the whole point of the post um basically what he did was th- they moved the third baseman and the first baseman out to the outfield they moved the center fielder up like right behind second base and my favorite part was that the the whole point of this setup was to induce fly balls. You'd you'd have so many people in the outfield, obviously. If you get a ball in the air, you're going to be good. So they wanted to have their pitchers throw Ephus pitches, which is just the pitch that you lob way up in the air and hope it, like, teardrops down into the strike zone. Um, of course, it didn't work. The whole situation was bad. <laughs> they were still terrible. Um, opposing teams just bunted. Yeah, they just bunted their way on because there's nobody covering first or third. And then there was a bunch of stolen bases, so... Um, but yeah, the, they tried it for a double header. I think they tried it for like another few weekends after and then it disappeared. Nobody knows anything about it anymore, but it's a neat little look into an attempted sort of shift because <laughs> the dealer runs and also coached basketball. So he, his mindset was like in these other sports, you shift your defense around constantly instead of just leaving them mostly stationary, like in baseball. But, but his idea was not exactly based on numbers or the modern shift, but he did something kind of neat. And it was a really, it was cool to read about it and, Just this very obscure college, basically trying to shift and just doing it terribly.
0: I just I liked it because again, like when we think of a shift, we think of just you know moving the shortstop over to the second base side of the whatever, and it is based on numbers. Um, They mentioned in the article that Lou Boudreau did this to Ted Williams back in nineteen whatever forty eight or fifty or something or whatever. Yeah, that one's the actual like invention of the modern shift is what he did because he moved
1: the center fielder was basically in right field and the right field is along the line and. It looks just like a modern
0: shift. Yeah, exactly. This is, I mean, this is a complete, I've always kind of idly thought about things like this. Like, why are the players where they are? You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like it's uh happenstance that the shortstop stands where he is and the second baseman stands where he does and all this stuff. Obviously, covering the bases is, is important, but this is more than just a shift. This is a complete rethinking of how to play defense in baseball, which is almost impossible to do. About, rethink that because you think about it it's like well of course you need somebody to cover each base and then you got to have some guys in the outfield but i've always thought these shortstop was a undervalued or underused freewheeling tool i guess the way they use it now with the modern shift you know you move him and you put him in shallow right field or whatever but i don't do other weird shit with him you know i don't even <laughs> yeah. know what it would be have him stand like Near the batter and freak him out or something. I don't know. Or have <laughs> that's a good way to get, like get drilled in the face though. Well, you it? know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think outside the box, just like the, <laughs> these boys at Oberlin College did. Yeah. And it's just, I, it's it's neat because it's like you said, it's it's, it's they they were trying to not take advantage of numbers that the other team has is putting up rather, but paper over their own bad parts. Uh, and that whole, so it's in a sense, it's like it's like using statistics because they're. Like, well, we can't do shit with ground balls. We are over a million on that. So at least, at least fly balls we can catch, and just the, the the freewheelingness of this whole thing too. Where it's like they they have this graphic that shows kind of where they are. There, it's like three little trios, and then the the rover in the middle, and the point man, and the safety. They would move around a lot too. And I don't, that's another thing. Like we're going to get to a point where the the shifts are going to be so drastic that like we'll have such minute numbers on people that there just won't be people and lo- players in like large swaths of the field. Like they're already, we, we see that like when like Joey, like Joey Gallo is hitting, but like why even guess that he's going to not pull the ball? He always pulls the ball. Cause it's what he does. So, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I like this idea of rather than just a slow blend towards whatever we're going to get to this completely like, nah, fuck that. We're doing this defense now instead. <laughs> and it's going to be weird. We're going to put play guy. Like, I don't know. Put your shortstop in foul territory or something like that. That way, you know, if you're playing in the in the Coliseum or something, then you every single one's an out. Or I don't know. I think I just think the shortstop is an undervalued tool that could be used in any other num in any number of ways. And, the, and as a- athletic as players are becoming these days, or are, are now, as compared to even ten or fifteen years ago, I don't see why it couldn't be a much more creative use. The, the any manager that did it would be pilloried in the press because baseball hates change but oh i don't think i not i don't think with shifts anymore really do you well like, I if he did start accepted. doing really weird stuff with his short stuff i guess and and to be fair if they have the do-
1: numbers to prove it i think they could back it up but if they're just doing it like this guy was just to like say oh, whatever we're doing this now then yeah it gets shredded
0: <laughs> well if your team i mean hey if you just are you if you're really that bad at, ca- at catching ground balls i mean we've seen some real garbage off defenses rolled out there every couple of years any any time a team is tanking their defense is probably hideous I don't know why more managers when they're you know when they're captaining a a ship headed for an iceberg like the guy running the oils right now or whatever just do something weird I mean you're you're gonna get fired in in two years anyway once they start getting good it's the way of the of the uh, of the rebuild basically the manager will get fired eventually it's kind of the same
1: thing we were talking about the XFL. Like, you have nothing to
0: lose. Just be weird about it. Yeah, <laughs> There's exactly. There's no reason like, to, to be safe and do the normal thing. Who cares? Yeah, if you're, if you're a real trash, you know, if, if your team is just garbage and you're just getting this one chance, like, what if it works? Then all of a sudden you've changed baseball in some way or other. And if nothing else, you'll always have a job doing television because you were creative and doing something. So, yeah.
1: And I, th- I think the, the main flaw in, like, the, the thinking of a flytrap thing and comparing it to other sports is that, like, you can sort of funnel – the offense into your defensive schemes but like they tried with the e pitch it's so much harder in baseball to determine to influence what the i mean there's i guess in the in the major leagues you have so much more data you can sort of induce more ground balls with a couple pitchers but you can't like always feed people
0: into your little fly trap so i mean i guess you could you could do things like you know you, pitchers are supposed to pitch into this shift too theoretically you know like uh have them if you want them to pull the ball. You should throw the ball on the inside more. Unfortunately, it's also easier to hit there. Just because, I mean, chances are probably numbers-wise, if, if if it's closer, you're probably going to pull it. I I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I did want to talk about these uh, uniforms that they had, though. Oh, they're great. <laughs> um, for anyone, any listeners who didn't read this, apparently Oberlin all had these massively old wool uniforms in 1994. Something they they got out of Major League Baseball in the 50s maybe i don't even know and i just can't figure out for the life of me why they couldn't scrape together a couple hundred bucks for not wool uniforms for these kids was it i mean this is a small liberal arts college in uh northern ohio i'm sure they had some kind of some rich benefactor who went there when he was a kid and still remembered the the good days when it, with him and his chums out there on the old ball field i have an assumption that any at all small liberal arts colleges have at least one very wealthy Oh, every college does, I would think. Like Somebody's got to be successful, right? Yeah. yeah, Some guy goes, oh, hello there, chaps. (laughs) Uh, You know, a guy like that who says bully, and it's like 1994. It's like, who is this man? (laughs) But these uniforms were just apparently so hot, and why did they have them? And (laughs) it was a high percentage. uh, It was hotter than hole in hell, said one uh, player. It was a high percentage of wool. We're talking really old school. Yeah. So I don't understand why they had these. Um it's great and wool is a great fabric, natural. Just maybe readable. not to play sports in outside. May, yeah, way. maybe you shouldn't be wearing them, yeah, in the, in the in the beautiful heat of a of a northern Ohio summer. <laughs> beautiful yeah, and whole,
1: humid. The whole thing was really cool and it's it's the old uniforms. There was a picture that he posted, somebody tweeted, I guess it was a player who tweeted um Anthony Cashmore afterwards And he put it in the article and you can see like how old ass all these uniforms look. And like, if you made it black and white and took away some goatees, it looks like a picture straight out of the fifties. God, those uniforms rule ass.
0: <laughs> uh, I take a yeah, These are great. And they they, they, they should continue to wear these. I mean, maybe the look, maybe not the wool, but no, including think, the wool, the, 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 everybody stains, sweats. the everybody's the vital key. Yeah. You know, you keep, it keeps you fresh and keeps you, <laughs> uh, keeps the blood flowing or something. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so yeah,
1: that's uh, I'll link that in the notes cuz it was a neat thing to read. It's one of the uh yeah, it's I I read this a little while ago. It's called snowfall journalism here. I don't know if you know that. It's like when you have all these fancy pictures and moving the moving images um called snowfall cuz there was a, a post something about what was it? I don't know. But it's really neat. There was a, an about an avalanche several years ago and then this guy just made a post that was a bunch of movies in the middle of the post and that's that made all these new feature things and that's what they all followed.
0: Um, Interesting.
1: I've never heard yeah. of this. Yeah, I don't know. I saw it on Twitter forever ago, and then it was really fascinating to me. It's like it's called like if you look it up, snowfall journalism. It's the first actual news post that comes up, and it's really neat. But that's oh, basically yeah. what this was. Oh, it was a big okay. feature post, and it was neat art. Uh,
0: so yeah, we can continue now with our uh, in the failing our... New York Times roasted. Yeah. got him again. <laughs> got got him. his ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on failing, let's go tribe. Uh, we're previewing <laughs> every position on the Indians. <laughs> starting we with are that.
0: hemorrhaging viewers <laughs> and also writers apparently it's great
1: <laughs> it's just me and you now crying <laughs> yeah. <in that> <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> and just several puppets um so yes all right, we're gonna be the second base now we're going naturally around the we're going around the old fly trap, merit we're going we
0: went catcher first base uh we're second base. names right we went point and then safety <laughs> and now we're doing sweeper no no sweepers is a shortstop.
1: What is we're that? Is that? Point? No, point's the pitcher. Point is the pitcher. Um, we didn't mention in the, in the talking about the fly tribes that they renamed everybody for no fucking reason.
0: Got to have different names, man. <laughs> if you're doing everything differently, you can't call him a second base. You got to call him a oh, we're stud. At the stud. Oh, am not oh, first yeah. baseman.
1: Rover is second baseman.
0: I guess it's Rover. Yeah, left yeah, gapper, so. right gapper, left guard, right guard. That was what makes sense stud yeah. does not but i don't <laughs> care that's the best one
1: so yeah we're at second base now we have cesar hernandez now no more jason kipnis he is i believe he's still in chicago trying to get on the roster there but we have top 10 first baseman in baseball cesar hernandez um i've again like maybe just uh the closest to baseball has made me more optimistic but just like growing emmanuel class a growing on me cesar hernandez i'm slowly more optimistic i think he's going to be better than jason kipnis would have been if he was still here i think he can be an offensive bat and a pretty good defensive short second baseman and I'm excited to see him and Lindor play together I think that'll be cool and then I mean between him Lindor and Ramirez like from the middle left the off the defense on the infield is going to be really good and I don't know maybe I'm just overly excited for baseball now that even Cesar Hernandez <laughs> is exciting to me but uh, if he can get double digit walk rate and get his strikeouts down and be like an average bat sure okay I, I would have rather had I don't know trade for anybody or sign Josh Donaldson and move Jose Ramirez over, but but what they got it could be worse. It could be it could be Mike Freeman, <laughs> who is on the forty man roster, but they decided to get an actual second baseman, so that's fun. But I will not have you besmirch him. He's my favorite player. <laughs> we'll get to your favorite player in a minute. But what are your thoughts on a? Are you second baseman?
0: I mean, you'll, you'll get some of the numbers, and he does all the things well that Kipnis never really did uh, specifically. Defend. He's uh, a good glove. Doesn't hit the ball very hard. He's a very classic second baseman you kind of forget about kind of a guy because he's you know you, you look at him he's not going to make any mistakes really um you know off, uh, defensively, he unaccountably was like top 10 in the top 10 percent of the league in walk rate in 2018 which just i don't know that's weird but that, that's fun a little blips and then dropped right down from 13.4 to 6.7 last year what yeah, that but he's walked s-
1: quite a few years in a row at least like from 2016 yeah. to 2018 and
0: then I mean, I, I'm off. not. Listen, we're not. We're not hoping for anything huge here. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but like a walk rate <laughs> between eight and ten percent. He's got good yeah. speed, so uh, you can hope at the very least if he's not stealing bases, he's going first to third on things and uh, defending well, getting on. You know, getting on base at a what did he do last year? Three thirty three clip career it's 352 is his on base percentage which would be great that would be one of honestly if he was like at 340 it would be one of the better ones on the team
1: yeah and that's and, that's, that's what the, his bad walk rate so if he can up that a little more than right, his on base exactly. percentage goes up
0: and and this guy's gonna be batting what seventh eighth ninth probably I, he's going to be one of the softer bats on the team but it's very evident that he's not there for the impact that his bat is going to have which as you mentioned is not going to be negative i, I think that he i think he'll produce somewhere around I mean, it's not good, but these are the things that we look forward to sometimes. Like a 90 to 100 WRC plus somewhere, if we're being optimistic and his walk rate does go up, then maybe he could be right around 100, and that would be nice Uh, just so he's not pulling anything out of the offense. He's at least a net neutral there and then adding something with his glove, making Lindor's life a little bit easier, making whoever the first baseman's life a little bit easier. Everyone, you know, and then allowing, obviously – ramirez to settle in at third it's a, if it's a, if nothing else it's a it's a settling influence that uh just defensively i, I as much as we always loved jason was he was never he was a practiced glove and he got good late in his indians career like pre-pitch positioning but he, he would not never. call what you he would not be what you call settling on defense no he he's was, the opposite of a settling presence. right he, his life was made possibly <laughs> easier by the existence of Lindor. <laughs> And I mean the fact that if Hernandez does produce like he has last couple years, if you look at his outs above average is in the eighty fourth percentile, uh, which is good, obviously. Uh, so no, I, I think the Indians will be able to at the very least boast a very solid defense. And I we talked about this with Roberto Perez, but with the young guys are going to be they're running through the rotation now, um, like with Savale uh, and Klesak and uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez, if he does end up making a couple starts. Again, this is a settling influence for them as well because they, if they, they don't have to miss every single bet. They can give up a grounder to the left side or the right side or wherever. And there's three guys out there who, if not gold glove caliber, are at least you know top good glove 10 caliber. Or, yeah, top ten or fifteen percent of the league, and that's fine. And that, that that works. You know, it's um something to not worry about. And for a team that's kind of on the precipice in so many different ways, that's nice. Now
1: behind Hernandez, if there, if anything happens to him or he doesn't start 160 games like he has last two seasons, it is a forest fire. It's <laughs> Christian Arroyo, who was a, a a very, very post post hype prospect. He was what was it with the was it with the rays he was initially hyped and then he was traded to the Giants when he was bad in the majors, and then he was injured. But he comes over, he's just basically trying to prove himself he's a potential backup utility guy. Also there's Yu Chang, who was also Basically the same boat, but was never quite hyped as much. But he's also kind of lost a ton of his value and potential. Why just, did like, I hype
0: him up in my head so much? Why was I so excited for you, Chang?
1: Prospects are fun, but I don't know. He he did have some hope a little bit there for a little bit, and then when he got to the major, it was very clear like it's not there. It's <laughs> sorry, Chang. I'm I'm really excited for you. But yeah, there's a couple of years in, like the lower levels, and when he got to triple A, he was a pretty average bat and he was his defense was fine. He had twenty home runs one season. That was the biggest thing for Chang. But um yeah, behind behind uh Cesar Hernandez, it's really – it drops off quite sharply. <laughs> I mean, Mike Freeman's another option, which is not a good one because he's terrible, but um, yeah, as, as far as depth at the second base, I usually I don't think you need a whole lot of depth there because as long as he's not injured, like Hernandez has played 161 games the last two years, so it's not really a matter of like catcher where you need to swap guys in and out, but if Hernandez can keep playing, who cares, but if he can't, oh no, <laughs> it's going to be bad.
0: What? What is with the Indians in second baseman? I mean, prior to Jason Kipnis, who was the best – Second baseman that they drafted and developed. Can you think of who it would be? I mean, I don't want to go all the way back to like Napoli, <laughs> but no. you never know. And sometimes <laughs> ends up to. that way. <laughs> I uh, don't know
1: because I mean, obviously they didn't draft Roberto Alomar, and he's the last really good one.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cuz before him it was I don't even know who that who would be then. Um, sorry. I'm, I'm just I'm talking, actually, trying
1: to jog my memory and I am definitely not going to look up on photographs. Yeah, I'm, 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 cl- I'm just I'm, talking, man. I'm just I'm trying not clicking, to
0: think. I am not literally <laughs> operating the, the baseball references <laughs> play index right now. I'm just I'm just clicking um, away.
1: Did they draft somebody named Joe Gordon? Did they, they didn't draft Carlos Baerga, did they?
0: Carlos Baerga. Would, well, they did draft Carlos Baerga, but I mean, I there you guys, go. Okay, so I guess Carlos Baerga. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, going strictly by war, uh, this is all off the top of my head, not on fan graphs or anything, but uh, Joe Gordon was probably the last, let me see if they drafted him, in 1948, 1947. Let me think back into my head if they uh, drafted him. No, he's with the Yankees. That doesn't count. Ah, so, shit. I'm not
0: signed in. Or I haven't paid them. Oh, okay, damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's,
1: I mean, it's Bayerga and then a bunch of nothing. They don't draft second baseman, apparently. I'm trying to look. I, yeah,
0: I, that's the thing. I, I It's. I guess I don't you can know
1: count Ramirez. It, he played second base. He was yeah, good that one fair. year at second. That's fair. And and,
0: it's, and this is not to, like, belittle uh, Kipnis, Andy. Kipnis was, was a wonderful surprise. I mean, a second-round pick to have that long of a career with one team that was impactful for several oh, of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's not—it's not a knock on Kipnis. It's a knock on the Indians and their second
0: baseman before him. Well, what was the last time a good second baseman was drafted in the first round? Hmm. Who's the best second baseman in baseball? Oh yeah, we had this conversation already when they when they, when they picked up J- uh, Cesar Hernandez because, uh, just in general, second base is a dumpster fire in <laughs> in, in Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think the last, like, really great, great second baseman was uh, Robinson Cano before he was Yes Yeah, Cano, and
0: for... b- before that was, what, yeah. maybe Ch- Chase Utley? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely Chase Utley, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was, he was fantastic, um, so. they he draft? Was... Yeah. Ketel Marte, I guess? D.J. LeMahieu, Max Muncy, second I guess D.J.
1: you still have to see if LeMahieu was a one-year kind of thing, but right. if he does that again, he's obviously
0: up there. Yeah, he's number one. I mean, Cattell Marte was a 7 win player last year. Jesus Christ, was he really? Oof, <laughs> And he should trade for him. So, but back to her, um, the Indians' own defense and off whatever in second base. I can't talk tonight, which is great on a talking medium. I don't know. I just I was excited for Yu Chang, and it, it doesn't seem to have panned out. He walked okay when he was in, when he was on the Indians, thirteen point four percent walk rate. But beyond that, it's yeah, like you said, a bit of a dumpster fire, <laughs> tiny bit, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah. So, what would you give? Um, this this grade of top ten Cesar Hernandez and dumpster fire behind him. What grade would you give it? F to A kind of thing.
0: Remind me again, is this based off everything else on the Indians or <laughs> league? No, <only>? we've established <laughs> if it was based
1: on everything else on the Indians, it'd be an A because you had to compare it to the outfield. This is based on second base within the league.
0: <laughs> I mean, we talked about it before. I mean, I'll give it a C. You know, again, I'm not excited, but they're C plus. No, you know, I'll give it a B minus. An irritating <laughs> score because I'm like, oh, you got an 80 out of 100, you bitch. Yeah, so the kind of thing C, you, yeah. Yeah, the, the grade you give to a, a very good but annoying student, <laughs> the, the minus. So, no, I'll give it a, no, I'll give it like a C plus, B minus kind of a thing because, again, Hernandez should be fine. And I think we'll complain about him more than is apt, because he'll be bad offensively. But again, he'll be batting like eighth. And so, as long as he's not just, just murdering rallies as long as he's not just just absolutely just crippling the ability to sustain offense uh in a single inning like, constantly as long as that's not happening and he's, you know, again he's, if, if he can get his walk rate up a little bit and things like that then great i'm, I'm all for him and then just not let's not worry about anything after that because <laughs>
1: let's just hope that we keep our stud and he doesn't get injured no not stud the roamer whatever no no, so no this, this
0: isn't this a stud no studs first. We established. Well, champ, I but. mean, in the positioning, the stud is standing where the second baseman typically right, sort yeah. of stands. the
1: rover. That's the second baseman. Yeah. We, we just got to hope to God he doesn't get injured because it can get a lot. We're, we'll discover real quickly that it didn't get worse than Cesar Hernandez. So
0: I mean, maybe Christian Arroyo is good actually yep. now. <laughs> maybe he'll figure it out. He did. Maybe he's a chip on the 3-0 shoulder 3-0
1: kind of guy where he has to have everybody. Three in
0: high A, and then he hit. 396 in the PCL, which is definitely not a hitter's league. Let me just reiterate this one more time: not a hitter's league.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I my grades I can't go above a C. Caesar Hernandez is going to be like you said; he's going to be fine, but I don't, I'm not going to give him a B for fine. C's, you passed, but well, your again, if he's
0: if if he's as good defensively as the stats suggest, then that's great, and that's what I'm looking for here. Is just something that I don't complain about because I'm going to have too much time. Uh, you know, complaining about things like Jake Bowers. I don't even know what I'm complaining about, but I just I want to be good so bad, and he won't be good. And
1: just. <laughs> somebody pointed out today that he's um, Casey Jotar of um, Cleveland Baseball Insider. He pointed out that. Jake Bowers has swung at like the first pitch of every at bat in spring training, <laughs> so he hasn't had like a single count besides one pitch. He's either been out or got a hit, and then he struck out in three straight pitches in one at
0: bat. So awesome!
1: He's having quite the spring over there. He's he's having a normal one, but
0: he's he's just it's aggression. You know, he's he's like you know what? I'm going to be like Derek Jeter. I'm going to swing at the first <laughs> pitch every time. I mean,
1: Mary, you can't watch a one-two called strike if you don't get to a one-two count. So he's just—I
0: don't even remind <laughs> me of those things. I forgot about that until just now. Oh my God! Just, oh, right he's in just, the corner, you saw That's how oh. he's fixing himself.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with we'll ask questions uh, every Sunday. We ask you guys for questions on Twitter and Facebook. This week we got a couple good ones. Um, we, we had a couple for I think we already we mentioned um, at NOP forty eight DHS yes, if Clevenger will have an injury free season. That that sort of goes off a little bit different than what we talked about but uh, like i don't know maybe is he is he injury prone at this point or because these aren't these are at least not the same injury but it's not like getting hit with a ball or something freak it's still his body is reacting to whatever the hell he's doing so i'm i'm kind of worried he might just be an injury prone pitcher at this point we
0: had so far we had the shoulder and we have the knee was there anything else i mean tommy john forever many years ago so whatever that happens i mean that's just a (laughs) rite of passage yeah um
1: well... So, I mean, he has had a couple at this point. He hasn't had a full... Injuries that are happening to
0: him are, at least in my estimation, are from trying to throw too hard, the back upper, upper back thing, and one well, succeeding, but his body just rebelling at first before it got used to it. And then this could also be a result of the same thing. So maybe, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say he's injury prone. I've never... I mean, players can be labeled injury prone and then just all of a sudden have a 10-year run where they're not injured, injured ever. That's true. So it just have, but it's just, it does seem like these are in a way related because you tear your meniscus with repeated coming down hard on it over and over and over, right? That's kind of how that happens. I'm pretty sure. I
1: would think. Do you, do you come down harder on your leg when you're throwing harder? That might be a dumb
0: question, but. Well, I mean, you throw. I would assume there's got to be more force, right? Yeah, you throw with your butt. So um, <laughs> naturally. You're, you're driving off the, you know, you, you drive off the, what do you call it, the rubber, and you probably come, you probably do come down harder. Yeah, I'd think so. So maybe I don't know about injury prone, but this could just be another symptom of his pushing himself to a next level. He's trying to achieve, it, which is great for the Indians in a way because he's getting he's turning into an ace. But yeah, I mean, you can get good. him like an ace ace level for
1: maybe not a full season, just about every year. I think you take that over like a four. Yeah, four or five year A, and then, but he's also pitches every game. Like I think, right? Because paid... like,
0: if you look at the the pitcher he was in two thousand, what was it, sixteen, which is his first year. Yeah, that was before his velocity spiked, and he was right. his, He was mostly reliever than anything, too. But uh, when he threw a hundred and well, even then, I mean, two thousand seventeen, he was really good, but his velocity started going up in two thousand eighteen, right? So, yeah, that's when he took off. Is really good. Yeah, two thousand eighteen. I mean, I don't know. He's thrown a hundred. If you can get a hundred and. The hope is 150 to 200 innings a year, I guess. I mean, it'd be nice if he could do the 200 like he did in 2018 when he really emerged. But if not, who cares? Like 165 or so innings of, of elite pitching is better than most teams can hope for, you know? So um, so next we have a couple of uh, – well, thank you for that question, first
1: of all. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so our next we got a pair of uh, Bobby Bradley questions. <laughs> what? everybody loves <laughs> bobby bradley questions and of course he's asked because he also he obliterated another baseball today um but the first one from at i am harad he asked if bobby bradley continues to not strike out the spring as he make the big league club and sort of related i mean at prince fire 32 he asked if bobby bradley hitting the way he is where do you think he fits with the Indians 26-man roster to open that second one i don't think he does i don't think he, he's got options he's still young i don't think he's going to be on the opening day roster um but if he continues not to strike out, that's obviously his biggest thing. Do you think he makes it? I I, I don't think so, do you?
0: Because I don't he think the Indians, the
1: Indians are smart enough to know that if he doesn't strike out in spring training, that doesn't mean he's fixed. I think they want to see him do it against even consistent AAA pitchers.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the thing about spring training, too, is everything's so contextual. It's not just the fact that it's only spring training. It's also, are you facing their ace? Are you facing random pitcher who wears number 68 or whatever? Yeah. So I I honestly I mean it, I think there's a chance that he could make the opening day roster sure. I mean if he's really doing that well. When you think about I mean, it. Who's Domingo in Santana front?
1: looks really bad so far. So, I don't right, know. Right.
0: Like like who like who honestly is in front of him in terms Jake of Jake Bowers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Jake Bowers, it's Domingo Santana, it's um, I mean, this is
1: assuming Fran on in the
0: outfield, which I think is fair at this point. Right, exactly. Got- I mean, Reyes is definitely going to make it. So, outside of that, it's just its just there's not a lot standing in Bradley's way, right? So, if – because what he's he has like a 1,400 OPS this year. Yeah, he's beating the hell out of the ball. Jesus Christ. Oh, Bradley, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're big home runs, too. It's not like – Yeah, exactly. So, we, I mean, if this – it's so hard with spring training because it's all three, But I mean, how many walks does he have? He has one walk, two walks now with one today. He struck out just once and he's hit two a couple of just missiles. But no, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a chance if if this keeps up all spring what the hell is there? what what else are you looking for, you know? Like it, if he just makes more contact, even if he doesn't walk more, then he's still a threat because he can just hit the ball a quarter mile. So,
1: yeah, I, yeah. I think above all it's the strikeouts are the issue. I just don't know if if he can prove enough in spring training to do it, but who knows? Right, because
0: he, he's not facing, you know, I, I, like you said, he's not facing elite all the time. Like I, the the average, I know there's some somewhere you can find it, the average like talent level they're facing during spring training. Yeah,
1: I think that's an MLB.com leaderboard. Which okay, yeah. Usually don't have the best ones, but they do for that. It's really neat. You can see, like, like so the average, I think it goes by level of what, who they're facing. Okay, yeah. So, cool. um, yeah, so I'll probably look into that later just to see for fun, but, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'd there's be nice because he's fun.
0: Again, he's hitting the ball a quarter mile, and when he runs into one, and if he can run into more, then great. It's always good.
1: All right, man, that's gonna do it for this week. Let's um, so let's think. We're we're two weeks away from opening day, so we're getting there. Two weeks, three weeks, whatever, a month. I don't. We know. are we're totally close. not. It's it's March first. <laughs> no we're, way. So that's like three weeks. <laughs> is it really? Holy <laughs> yeah, shit. March twenty sixth, and we're close. So we'll next week we'll preview the uh, what are we at shortstop or the why can't I not remember these when I'm trying to do that. Stud? A sweeper. we got a preview of the sweeper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll do that next week. And uh, talk to you then, Merit. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple.